Um, City PM, far out. It's been a while. I could not be any happier to be here right now, hey. I feel like I'm in someone's lounge room. I'm just kind of, I'm just here and I just get to talk to you and and share. And and some of you would know this, but my, my wife actually called City PM home at one time. Um, and now we're married and we've got a daughter and and we're part of North and we lead North now. And man, it's amazing. God is, God is incredible. Um, it was actually in this uh, congregation that I had a vision about leading a gathering uh, a month before Cade randomly came to me and said, I, I think, yeah, I think you should lead North. And I thought, this guy's crazy, but the problem is I had a vision a, a month before. And um, trust me, it was way out of, way out of the blue. Um, but yeah, God is, God is good. And I love coming to see you guys. And this morning, this morning, there you go. I'm from North, that's for sure. Um, don't do night things anymore. My daughter's probably, what's the time? Yeah, she's just about to go to sleep. Um, I'm going to be speaking on Matthew 7, so if you want to, you can turn there and, um, if you'd like to, and we've been doing a series on freedom and obedience, and I know the heart that Cade and, and Kathy have had about this series is that we would be an obedient people, and that we would realize that obedience to Jesus brings about freedom, and that God's ways are good, um, and it's not just about knowing, but it's about obeying, and, and really actually you know, that's the difference between seeing Jesus and, and not putting that arm out and touching him, I think. It's actually saying, I'm going to live in action according to what he says because I trust that his word is good, his commands are good and they're fruitful. And um, I'm sure you would agree with me in your own life that you've seen that, the fruit of that. And I really believe that, even though I doubt it at times, I really believe that God's ways are good and Jesus' c- commands are good, his word is good. Um, so... We're just going to read, um, actually, you know what I'll do, just switch it up. Um, I've actually got a video that I want to kick off with, and um, the reason being is that he just does a lot better job than I could um, explaining this first part, and I just, I was just last night wrestling, like, with this part, and I couldn't get words down, and then I saw this video, and I, I felt God was just like, yeah, you can do that, you can play a video, so I think I'm cheating a bit here, but I think Sean does a great job, so... If we can play um, Sean's video, there we go. I think this is a verse um, that has been misused and you may have even heard it. Uh, just in our culture, you say, you know, don't judge, you shouldn't judge. Um, and unfortunately, it's made its way into the church as well and, and people throw this term out and whenever there's a conversation around perhaps, um, you know, challenging someone in their sin and... Um, you know, even myself, I've been confused um, by what Jesus is saying here. Um, but hopefully today, I just want to be able to help you understand more clearly um, what it doesn't mean. But I also want to help you to understand what it what it does mean and how this applies in the life of, of the body, particularly the church. So Sean actually um, referenced 1 Corinthians 5. And so we're just going to turn there for a second um, because I think it's relevant um to this whole idea of judgment actually it's the first verse that came to my mind as soon as i read this and i think a lesson that's really important is that when we read scripture we need to let scripture interpret scripture you you need to ensure that when you're reading something that you're thinking of where else this topic is talked about and what it says and then collectively you come to a fuller understanding that's just a side note that's really helped me in my journey to come to a fuller understanding of god's word but i'm just going to read from first corinthians 5 um, the context here 
um, is that Paul is writing to the church of the Corinthians, um, the Corinth church, and yeah, sadly there was a, a man who was sleeping with his stepmother, and um, this was going on, and essentially it seemed like no one was really doing anything about it. No one was confronting this in the life of the church. And so Paul writes this letter, um, and I'm just going to read uh, from verse, I think it's verse 9 I've got from here, verse 9 to 13. Oh, cool. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. I know this is quite confronting, some of the language used here, but um, I think the point Paul is making in the context of what's going on is that um, there is a role for us as Christians um, to, to judge other Christians. That even might sound really weird to the ears for a moment. Even when I say it, I feel, oh, something's wrong there. But I think it's because we've been so trained that judgment is, is bad, but I think there is a wrong type of judgment. I think there is a, there is a right in a sense. So bear with me as I help you um, see this, um, as I've learned to see it as well. So he says, are you not to judge those inside He's inferring an answer here, the answer being yes, there is, and he makes a judgment on this, on this man, and he's removed from the community for the safety of the community, but also that this man would come to repentance. That was the, the goal. And so there is a responsibility that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we do have a role to point out each other's sin and help address that in each other's lives. That's actually responsible we have for one another. That is loving and that is good. And this is vital to a healthy body. But we see here that Paul does... Oh, he makes a distinction between judging those in the church and those outside the church, meaning those who are not believers. And I love that we sung Amazing Grace because um, that's a song I sing to Lola all the time because it gets her to sleep. And the first time I sung it, the reason why I was singing it, because I felt so in awe of God's amazing grace that he gave me a daughter, um, that he gave me a daughter of all, like, um, yeah. And so I sing that to her, and, and last night as I was singing it, I um, sung the line, you know, I was blind, but now I see. And I thought about that, and, and we know that those who are unbelievers are blind, they are blind, but we, we have seen. They, um, in a sense, don't know anything different. They're still responsible, but they are blinded. And we need to remember that, that we cannot expect the world to live like Christians. Again, that doesn't mean they're not responsible to God and accountable to God, but we can't look at the world and judge them in a way where we are not acknowledging the fact that they are blind, they are lost, they are in need of a saviour. And I think that changes our posture to an extent. But there is this responsibility we have as Christian to Christian to keep each other accountable. Um, 
and to live as Christians, which is to follow and obey Jesus. Um, and that's what Paul um, was explaining here, um, that to, you know, to be a Christian is someone that does come to repentance and, and turn from their sin and, and follow Jesus. You know, when it comes to unbelievers, this doesn't mean that, you know, uh, we don't preach a gospel that obviously does reveal sin in people's lives. There is a time each one of us, uh, and, and hopefully, and I can imagine it was, the time when you realize that you were sinful and that you were separated from God. And then you heard the grace of God and it was so fresh to you and your soul that you just realized that you had fallen short but that God was merciful and gracious in sending his son and saved you from your sin. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I think it's important for us to remember it over and over and again of how amazing that grace was. So we do have a role to, um, to speak uh, the gospel which at times um, will be received as judgmental. Um, when we've seen that in the news even recently, it's quite near to home even, I saw you talking about in the radio, Dan, actually, where we've seen a guy who stood for his faith in, in a public sphere and, um, you know, his views were considered um, uh, discriminatory and, and horrible and all kinds of judgmental, likely, um, and yet we know that the gospel of grace is actually, um, yes, you're a sinner, but, but God has sent his son to, to forgive you, and that is a good message. Um, but I think this does change the way that we see the world remember um, that there is a difference, a posture towards the world. We need to remember that people are lost. Okay, so then what was Jesus going to say here? So this is going in and out. I'll just hold that. Okay. Um, what was Jesus trying to say here? Because I wanted to sort of get rid of the do not judge and, and address that. But I want us to also see what Jesus was really saying here. I'm just going to continue from verse 2 um, through 5 again and just read it together. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see you, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I want us to, to look at, at David for a moment. Uh, David, um, we know, um, he slept with uh, Bathsheba, which was uh, one of his soldiers' uh, wife. Uriah was the soldier and he slept with his wife. And um, this was whilst Uriah was out fighting and David was idle and... and uh, Bathsheba actually becomes pregnant um, and Uriah actually returns from the front lines and, and um, he sees David and he actually refuses to go home because he's so loyal to the soldiers. Um, he doesn't want to go and live in luxury as his soldiers are all camped out so he stays with them and then he actually gets drunk with David and David is acting like everything is fine. Meanwhile, he makes an order that Uriah would be sent to the front line where the battle is fiercest and that they would withdraw from him as they reach that, that battle. 
um, so that he would die. And, um, and this is what happens. He is killed at the hands of David. And then David takes Bathsheba as his wife and she bears him a child. Horrible, right? Just caught you judging, by the way. And then we have Nathan, a faithful prophet, who comes and rebukes David and, um, and judges David for his actions and God has sent him with this message. And I think this shows us how easy it is and it aligns with Jesus' teaching about the way we can be blinded by the log in our own eye and how we are so quick to judge others and see the speck. I had this analogy that I read about. It was almost like, you know, we have a um, microscope uh, on one end towards someone's sin. It's right in there. I can see your sin. You're very sinful. And then we turn it around. And that's how we see our sin. You know, we turn the, the, the microscope around and we, we, we don't really see our problems in the same light. And we use all these fancy words maybe sometimes to cover our sin. But when we're talking about other people's sin, we're happy to use harsh words. That might not include you, but I can tell you at times it's definitely included me in my life. Something that I've had to battle in the way that I look at other people. Anyway, let's read from 2 Samuel 12, 1 to 7 um, about Nathan and David the Lord sent Nathan to David when he came to him he said there were two men in a certain town one rich and the other poor the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought he raised it and grew it up with him and his children it shared his food drank from his cup and even slept in his arms it was like a daughter to him Now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveller who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. What a way to reveal the message of God to David. And we know, thankfully, that David came to repentance um, in his life. And um, he actually deserved the death penalty for what he did. He, he murdered and he, he um, slept with another man's wife. And we can see here that he uh, is so quick to see the fault in this this man in the story um, whilst completely ignoring the massive log in his eye. And um, we see that even his measurement of judgment is just so out of whack. Like this guy stole a guy's lamb. You actually stole someone's wife and had him murdered. Are you kidding me? Like... But that is what Jesus is talking about. And I think we need to be reminded that when we see specks in people's eyes, when we see sin in people's life, we need to take a step back for a moment and ask the question, do I have a log in mine? Or even to reflect on, has there, have I gone through this myself before? And how has God Show me grace and mercy and how have others supported me in this? Because we're so, we so easily forget where we once were and what God has done in our life. I think it's so vital 
for us to take that step back. You know those people, and you may have been one of those people, and God is gracious if you've come to repentance, but you know those people that just go around and find problems with everyone? And they just criticize everything, and everything's a problem, and there's a speck in everyone's eye, and everyone sort of just sort of, there's a massive log in his eye and he has no like how can he not see that he has a massive log in his eye and he's just going around telling everyone else they've got a speck in their eye and, and we laugh but it's actually super damaging it's actually really horrible and condemning and it destroys people and that's what Jesus here is addressing because it's one thing to judge someone because you want to see their restoration. You actually are saying, I can see the sin in your life, but my God, he, my God is good and, and I know that his grace is sufficient for you. Let me help you, you know, walk through that and repent and turn and, and be restored. Whereas that posture that comes and sees the speck that seeks to condemn is one of destroying and not restoring. And we gotta, we got to be careful of that. Where is our posture when we see the speck in other people's eyes? I don't know if you've imagined that, like there's this massive log, right? And this is Jesus. He's, he's emphasizing this, this massive plank, and there's this tiny speck, and there's this guy trying to get a speck out. He's just knocking this guy out. He can't even see. It's just ludicrous. It's just crazy. You cannot help people when you yourself are not addressing the sin in your life and being humble before God and before others. I feel like I just rebuked myself then for a second. <laughs> you know, we have to, if we're going to be effective in loving each other, and I would argue that to see sin in people's lives and to walk with them is so loving when you do it right. If we're going to do that and we're going to be effective and see people restored, then we got to make sure that we also are living lives of righteousness and that we are also addressing the sin in our life and we're allowing other people to see the speck and we're, we're actually being aware of, of our own sin because I think it will help us in the way that we love and treat others in this regard. Jesus says that you will be able to see clearly when you... When you remove that log out of your own. And, and I think it's not by mistake that a lot of the time God leads people to people that have been through similar uh, sinful struggles. You know, I, I find myself drawn to people and them drawn to me. And they've faced things in their life that are very similar. And I feel like it's God saying, you know, Kieran, I, I, I've, I've addressed this log in your life and and um, now I want you to help others. And I think it helps me to remain humble because I realize I've done what you've done, probably worse, you know. And I, I just think that that's, that's just a very side thing, but it's just an observation that um, I think God does that because it keeps us humble in dealing with others when we've gone through similar things. I want us to look quickly at Galatians 6.1. I didn't actually send it to Naomi, but I'll just read it out. And this is talking about how we treat those um, who are caught in sin. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. You know, an eye is very sensitive, right? You've got to touch an eye. It shuts up. It's, it's sensitive. And so when you would go, if you went to go take a speck right now, Dan, you've got a speck in your eye. And Jen, she's getting it out of your eye. The care that she would have to take to get that speck out, right, 
It would need to be gentle. It would need to be careful. And she sort of just went in there and slapped you in the eye like, you know, it's not going to work. There's, there's a level of, of carefulness and tenderness. And, and in the same way spiritually, this is a metaphor, when we see a speck in people's eyes, there's thought, there's prayer, there's, there's a gentleness in the way that we approach someone in that situation. And we must, we must take a step back for a moment and, and ensure that the posture of our heart towards that person is that they would be restored and, and that we would realize that we've fallen short too. And God has been merciful to us. Hasn't he? He's been so merciful to us. And by the same measure, not any less than that, by the same measure of mercy and grace that he has shown us, that is what we're called to show others when, when we're walking in this way. We see even in the process of church discipline, which can appear quite harsh, but, but church discipline, even in church discipline, when someone is removed from a community because they are unwilling to repent and, and that community is under attack, it, it's, it's, it's a problem and that person needs to come to a place of realizing that they need to repent because their soul is at risk. There. Even then we see Paul um, say, and I'm just going to quote because I don't want you to think they're my words as they're pretty... Um, confronting words hand this man over to satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the lord in simple terms to be under the reign of jesus is to be part of his body to be cast out to satan is in a sense saying without the protection of, of the body and under the reign of jesus but did you hear what what paul says so that at the end of the age his soul will be saved even in something that is so difficult you know, is, is hard, God's heart is to restore, and so should ours. We are seeking restoration, not condemnation. I just want to remind you of the gospel. I want to remind you again tonight that God, when we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us, to take on our sin, the death that we deserved, the penalty of our sin, which is eternal hell, which is death, that is what he sent his son to die for. And Jesus willingly went to the cross for us, took our sin, and then rose from the grave, defeating death, as, as um, Cade said before, and offering us freedom, offering us f- complete freedom from our sin, com- complete forgiveness, showing us perfect mercy. He is our good judge. He is perfectly just, he deals with sin, but he offers mercy to all those who would repent. And um, I think that if we remember our Father in the good judge that he is and the mercy that he has shown each of us, then we will be able to show that mercy and love towards others and to not judge, to condemn, but to restore and out of love. So yes, you know, you'll be saying to someone you have a speck, but yes, you need to ensure that you're aware of your own and that you're addressing it and you're being humble before God and others. And you need to say yes to doing it gently and lovingly. And I know that you will fail at this because I have and every one of us will. But we serve a gracious God who's going to grow us and teach us how to do this more and more. You can be someone that speaks truth humbly and lovingly and, and God will use that. Um, let's pray.
Father, I pray for this community. I thank you that your name is glorified in this community. I thank you for all the people here that have been saved by you that are your children and that you're using them for your mission here, God. I thank you for the worship tonight. I thank you for the communion. I thank you for these brothers and sisters here, Father. I pray for this city PM that you would help them, Lord, to be a people that sees the speck but also sees the log in their own and addresses the log in their own lives so that they're able to see clearly and are able to lovingly and in humility and in gentleness help others who are struggling with their sin. Thank you, Lord, that you will give us um, wisdom to do this. You will guide us by your spirit. And thank you that you're gracious to us as we learn to do this out of love for one another. In Jesus' name, amen.